This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. So first of all, welcome to Unqualified, a video game podcast. Where two people that have no business talking about video games talk about video games. Oh, yeah. you. So you actually decided to tell people what it means. Well, there's a reason why we call it Unqualified. Hey, you're, you're Cody Goff. And you're Jonathan Effing Martin. Yeah, that's not my middle name at all. week we said we were going to review uh what's the name of the game you're reviewing uh it's i think the full title is warhammer 40k space marine i think that kind of colloquially colloquially it is known as just space marine okay what platform is that on uh xbox 360 ps3 and pc well but what one are you reviewing it on because that's that's relevant playstation 3 playstation and i think you uh you are playing Ninja Gaiden three, which is well, a very new game. Well, let's let's uh, let's let's qualify that a little bit, despite the fact that we're unqualified. When you say I'm playing Ninja Gaiden three, that implies that I have any desire to finish this game. Ooh, that's not a good way to start talking. All right, about I mentioned game. in the last podcast that I loved Ninja Gaiden. I loved it, and I loved Ninja Gaiden two. And you've you've played them both as well, correct? You know, I actually only played two. Uh, oh, okay. I think it was actually per your recommendation. Oh, okay. Um, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. So, usually when you make a video game sequel, the sequel has some... Well, first of all, okay, let me let me ask you the three questions. Do you like really fast action and blood? Oh, for sure. Okay. Do you like... Final Fantasy XIII 2 voice acting? Mm, no, no, not at all, actually. Okay, and do you hate Ninja Gaiden 2? No, I like Ninja Gaiden 2. Then you probably will not like Ninja Gaiden 3. Here's why. Everything about this game is wrong. Everything. I played the first two Ninja Gaiden games, and here's what happened. They made Ninja Gaiden on Xbox. Okay, it's an action game. You play as a ninja. You get a lot of weapons. You learn some spells that are ninpo. You have cool move combos. You kill a lot of things, people, aliens, monsters. And then the game is over. It's great. The second game followed same layout, same pause screen, same progression of moves and weapons throughout the game, things you can pick up, things you can find and collect. Ninja Gaiden 3 scrapped everything. Everything. Um, where do I even start? Okay, let's start with the ambiance of the game. The first and second Ninja Gaiden games are are kind of horror movie-ish. A little bit. I mean, were there kind of freaky parts in Ninja Gaiden 2, would you say? Well, I mean, there were, there certainly were, were some kind of dark set pieces. Like, I remember, I remember there were one of the very early levels was running through like downtown Tokyo mm-hmm. at night and there mm-hmm. were either other ninjas or other weird extraterrestrial type enemies that you fought and then there were some caves that you eventually went through in the game that where werewolves would fight you and so yeah i can see where you're getting horror movie from not necessarily 
because it uses like vampires or anything, but in the in the way that you are alone, you're a ninja, you're by yourself in deep caves and in very isolated locations, and at the end of the game, you're essentially in hell, and you're you have no backup, you have no support, you're by yourself, and you're surrounded by things that want to destroy you, and that's kind of freaky. It kind of lends itself a little bit of a wow, like. I'm gonna die, kind of a vibe. Like when you fight a Tomberry in a Final Fantasy game. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, not to mention the game is brutally difficult. I mean, yeah. 2 was. Two, 2 just in general was a brutally difficult game. So mm-hmm. there was the constant fear of death, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that exists in uh, Ninja Gaiden because in, in Ninja Gaiden because 3 Because it's rather, a tactical role playing game. <laughs> Yes, you'd have to spend job points to level up. No, uh, Ninja Gaiden 3, you have an earpiece in your, uh, in your, not helmet, but in your, on your headpiece or whatever. You have, you have an, you have, you basically have a Bluetooth microphone in your ear the entire game, and you are getting support from the military. So you're the douchebag that walks through the grocery store talking to somebody on his Bluetooth headset? I personally am. Not even the ninja. I just do that. Um... (laughs) And Ryu uh, does that too? Ryu does that as well. Wow. He is being spoken to throughout most of the game by a woman whose voice actor is the same voice actor as Lightning from Final Fantasy Thirteen. Well, that's not so bad. Lightning actually had a decent voice in Final Fantasy Thirteen. Guess who does Ryu's voice? Also the character that did Lightning. Close. The character who did Snow from Final Fantasy Thirteen. His voice slightly less good. His voice, not appropriate for a ninja. Very overdramatic, very friendly, very soft, very not ninja-like. Too much dialogue. Instead of feeling like you're a lone ninja, you know, going through this quest to kill everything, you're instead part of a military installation. You get air support at certain parts in the game. And I'm on level four. Actually, I don't even think I've beaten the third level yet. Um, so, so lightning is talking to snow the entire time, uh, and the second level. You, we talked about some of the environments. The second level takes place in the daytime, in the middle of a desert, and they open up the scene by showing you riding in the passenger seat of a jeep. Huh? That lightning is driving through the desert. Do you some... think? Do you think that this this has any? Uh... This has anything to do with trying to appeal to a Western audience? Do you think that 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 kind of set piece is specifically tailored for the Western dude bro gamer? It could be, because here's the other thing. Every level begins with... Have you ever played Modern Warfare game? You know, I haven't, but I've seen them play. Okay. So at the start of a level, it shows a map, you know, like a digital, like computerized map of the world. And then it like has a box come and it's like, zooms in and then zooms in. They do this in movies all the time. Yes. You know, and then it shows some text on the screen and it's like all military and like high tech. That's how every level starts in Ninja Gaiden 3. So instead of there being a linear progression of you relatively smoothly transitioning from one place to another, you instead are just jarringly removed from a location and put back on the base. With Lightning and some random professor guy who is Lightning's friend, in addition to Lightning's... I'm just going to keep calling her Lightning. Lightning's daughter. Her seven-year-old daughter. Because nothing screams Ninja Gaiden like a 
kind of father-daughter relationship, right? Apparently not. Apparently the creators thought, why take a badass ninja with very little character development who just kills things and give him some awful storyline where he's interacting with a seven-year-old girl in between scenes and you want to talk about melodramatic like if it's interesting that you said that the terrain would appeal to western gamers because these scenes that i've been forced against my will to watch with with ryu and and lightning who calls him hayabusa every sentence i think she says she's like Wow, nice moves, Hayabusa. Wow, blah, 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 Hayabusa. Hayabusa. And of course, it's all in her, like, overly dramatic lightning talk. So she's being just, oh, God, everything about it is so wrong. Can you tell I'm getting worked up over this? So let me ask you a uh-huh. question uh, before we go any further. Um, if, if you just separate yourself from all of this stupid cutscene crap, because let's be fair, there were some, some cutscenes that were pretty irrelevant in the second game as well. The the joy of the game still came from all of the crazy over-the-top action, crazy explosions, you know, cutting off things' heads, um, again, fighting werewolves, um, fighting enormous bosses that looked like there was absolutely no possible way that a little ninja guy could beat this giant that you were fighting. Mm -hmm. Is any of that still there? That's fair and that's valid. Uh, The answer is it's not executed nearly as well as in the first games. In the first two games, you were given... You could pause the game and look at your move set. And then you knew how to do combos, and you knew how to do different chain attacks with enemies. In this game, you can hit select to open a transparent window on the right side of your screen, and whenever you press a button, it shows like a list of combos that can follow that button. But the problem is that you can't scroll through those, so... You just have to experiment in battle looking at the controls in order to, like, surmise how to do a move. As far as I've determined, there's one throw in the game, and I only use that move. All I do is X, Y, X, 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 Y. Every single time. Every single time I go up against an enemy. Also, the first three levels are all human enemies. Hmm. And with very little variety. The other problem is the action is too fast. Have you ever seen a Michael Bay movie? Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen Transformers? Yes. Here's the problem with Transformers, okay? The action scenes, I guess, are pretty cool, but there's a lot of close-ups and a lot of shaky cam, and by the time you're halfway through the scene, you don't know what the hell is going on. That's how the action is in this game. So if you do a combo on an enemy, um, you'll remember from Ninja Gaiden 2, if you kill enough people, you'll kind of uh, aggregate some ninpo or something, and you can uh, you can charge up your Y attack, charge into an enemy, and it'll do this insane combo on him. Well, they kept that for this game, but when you do the insane combo, you can't see what's going on. It's, it, you can't even tell what's happening. It's just, there's just a lot of slashes, and it doesn't make any sense. Like... There's something to be said for speed in action scenes, and you can't see what's happening in this game. It's just, it, there's too much, I don't even know if there's too much blood, because there's really the same amount as the other games, but you can't follow it. It's not like, oh, I just cut his head off. It's like, oh, I just slashed him in half nine times and he fell over. The the violence doesn't hold together. Now, there was... There was some advertisement for this game from the creator when it was when it was being uh, kind of hyped up, and he said there were there were two things I remember hearing that he 
he he wanted to draw attention to for the game. One of which was these very specific zoom in kind of bone breaking X-ray things or something along those lines. That was one of them. The second was he wanted there to be some sort of emotional resonance with the main character when he chose to kill someone or something. Have you seen either of those? Yes, yes. In the first level, there is a section where you attack a bunch of people and then you hurt them, and then you have the choice to kill them or not. They're all, like, lying down or they have their hands behind their heads and they're like, no, no, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. And, in fact, near the end of the first level, there was a specific part where the guy, like, throws his gun down and he's backing away from you, like, you know, moving, waving his hands, like, no, 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 don't kill me, don't kill me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was just doing it for the money, blah, blah, blah. And he's begging for his life. And you automatically are just walking towards him and I hit X, I killed him. I don't know. How how emotionally uh, scarring was that? How how hard was that to kill him? I won't say it had no effect, but I would say the effect was negligible. I'm not losing sleep over it, and it's a Ninja Gaiden game. You want to kill everyone? Of course you do. That's the point. I it 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 really did nothing for me. I, I mean, it was like it was an in, to me. It was, I, I thought this is an interesting gaming choice, but that was about as much as I could say about it. Um, The other thing about all the action sequences is, if you will remember, although obviously the dragon sword was the the weapon of choice, Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 both featured a lot of different weapons. You would have a bow staff, you had nunchucks, you had spears, you had a lot of different things at your disposal. In this game, you have your sword and a bow that auto-targets. That's pretty much it. And in fact, when you draw the bow, it moves you into bullet time, giving you as much time as you want to fire. I actually uh, would jump up in the air and hit left bumper to fire the bow and arrow, and if I held it, I would just hover in the air, and the game basically would freeze while I aimed. Mm. So there's there's really no challenge to the bow. It used to be all the bow and arrow action was in real time. You were fighting a helicopter, you better know how to notch that arrow, aim at that helicopter, and hit it before it blows the hell out of you, and then move on. Um, this game, no. You just jump up. I've destroyed 12 helicopters with zero sense of danger whatsoever. You just... I, will say, I will say that God of War 3 also had a bow and arrow that behaved I, what sounds like in the same way where it would kind of auto-aim for you. The action would continue, mm-hmm. but as you held the bow, you could walk around and move around, but it would still auto-aim on individual enemies. Yeah, and that's, it's okay to a, to a degree, but it doesn't work in this game and, and the ease that it adds to the game. So I, I'm not a big fan of that, but there is a, a, a vast lack of weapons. And again, no, I didn't use every one in the last game, but it's nice to have options. They all felt so different, too, mm-hmm. in the last game. That was one of the things that I loved about it, was that like that crazy spear with the blade on the end yeah. gave you so much more reach than the oh, sword. Yeah. Than the sword did, and the claws. You know, you'd get, you'd have to get right up next to the enemies to fight with the claws. Mm-hmm. And there was like, you knew that okay, if I get, if I use these, there's a very good chance I'm going to get hit. But if I can get combos in with these claws, I'm just going to slash the hell out of everything. Yeah, 
yeah. and this has none of that. Uh, yeah, and and I I, uh, I think I wasn't emphasizing the weapons as much because I I believe the first Ninja Gaiden game actually did a kind of poor job of executing the weapons, if I remember correctly, because the sword was so much better and it was it, it cost too much to upgrade the other ones and things like that. So they didn't execute it perfectly in the first one, though they still had the variety. But the second one, you're right, did a perfect job. I mean, it was it was amazing. I always switched weapons. Um, so there's a lack of weapons, and in the last games, you would learn spells using Ninpo, and you would save up your Ninpo and cast a spell once in a while. Good times. Well, in this game, if you kill enough people in an area, you can use Ninpo, because your Ninpo meter fills up. It destroys everything in the entire area. Just like, I win. No matter what spell you use? There is there is no spell choice. Really? <laughs> you just use Ninpo. Huh. It's like an on or off button. No, like, fireball. It's just you hit the Ninpo button, a giant flaming dragon emerges from you, flies around. This is all cutscene, by the way. Uh-huh, yeah, like where you're going with this, yeah. yeah. Fly, yeah flying you, dragon, you, giant. Yeah, you use it, the action stops, uh, you watch a flying dragon fly around in a circle without seeing what it's doing or what effect it's having. It's basically just like a big red screen, the dragon swirls around for a second, and then everyone is defeated, vanquished. Huh. So it's broken. It's, it's stupid. It's so stupid. There is no strategy to this game. Like, in the other Ninja Gaiden games, you had to... I mean, it was a rock, paper, scissors. You had to block and then and then time things so that you were counterattacking. You had to roll and dodge to, to dodge attack. This does everything wrong. Everything about this game is wrong. The action is too fast. The battle system is broken. There is... It's completely linear. They decided to copy Final Fantasy XIII. It is completely linear. There are no open areas, even a little bit. You go in a straight line everywhere. That's it. You go in a straight line, and if you get quote-unquote lost, which I don't know how the hell you would do, you just hold the, uh, the left stick down, and it freeze frames and shows you the direction to go. So it handholds, it just, it holds your hand, the tone is not the Ninja Gaiden tone, you feel no sense of the possibility of defeat or loss. I hate this game. So you, so, I mean, one of the, one of the things that just drew the majority of people to Ninja Gaiden, the remakes, or not the remakes, the, uh, this, this, the reboot, once it happened in the first place, was the incredible sense of difficulty. You're saying there's none of that. I'm technically not... I'm playing on normal mode. Which should be hard. I mean, not not in the sense of a hard mode, but it should be a difficult game on normal mode because the past two games have been. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, e- even doing normal mode in the last couple of games, <laughs> there were times when I was like, man, I wish I'd gone easy mode because <laughs> it's that hard. Oh, also, your health is fully restored after every melee. That's weird. And you don't increase your maximum health or ninpo or anything during the game. You don't collect anything to increase your health. So there's very little depth to the game. There's no, I'm going to explore this area so I can increase my maximum health so I can survive this next battle. It's just, you have a lot of health, and it gets restored after every fight, and there are save points everywhere. It's it's unbelievably easy. I've read online that you can notch it up to hard mode, and that makes it feel a little more like a Ninja Gaiden game, but it still has very stunted battles, and just the gameplay isn't going to be worth it. It oh. just... Go ahead. 
I want to go back to this idea of uh, of emotional resonance in a Ninja <laughs> Gaiden game. Okay. Does this does this not sound like a practical joke to you? Like, like think of the pitch meeting on this, right? So it's it's some guy going and he's like, "All right, you, you remember Ninja Gaiden two? Everybody really loved that game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so so did you like Ninja Gaiden two? You would say, yeah, yeah. Uh, how would you like uh, uh, a Ninja Gaiden game where the ninja goes around and kills a bunch of people, uh, but then he has to make a choice <laughs> at the end of this level where he just killed two hundred people, whether he wants to kill this one other dude? What do you think? Yeah, Does that sound good. Yeah, who great who green lights that? Like who who's the person that green lights that? That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. The only emotional resonance that I had was that I wanted to dropkick that eight-year-old girl in the face. Uh, I think we've all been there. When Ryu is is walking up to her in, in, in Snow's voice, which just makes it so cheesy. He's just like, little girl, I can be your friend. And something, and then he's like, she's like, will you protect me? And he's like, I promise, I will protect you. In this, like, dramatic Snow voice. And I'm like, who are you? You're a ninja. You're a a cold-blooded killer you ruin oh the whole point of the the entire series is you are up against insurmountable odds you fight army tanks you fight helicopters you fight giant monsters and during ninja gaiden 2 you'd get to a boss and you would think to yourself oh my god like, you would look at it and just be like, holy crap. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. Absolutely, man. That was the best thing about the game. Yeah, yeah. You look at it and you're like, oh my god, I'm going to kill this? How? You know, you like, the game makes you... it Talk about emotional resonance. You have a sense of peril and despair when you see something big and scary as hell that you know is going to wreck you. It's just going to ruin you like 10 times in a row or 50 or 60 times in a row until you can finally figure out how to kill it. This game, there's none of that. I've destroyed 50 helicopters with just arrows without even aiming. It's just... It's terrible. Uh, I hate this game. I feel like I'm playing Final Fantasy thirteen because of the voice acting alone and I, I can't stop calling the Lady Lightning. The gameplay is bad. The action is bad. The storyline is, is asinine. I am offended by this game. All right, so a must-buy. I, I may literally return the game to GameStop. So uh, is there multiplayer in this game? I've heard there is, but I'm not even going to touch it. I don't care. Do you have any idea how it works? No. I, I don't care. I, I just don't. And you need an online pass. You need to buy an online pass to play it. Wait. You have to buy, you have to buy an online pass after buying the game new? Yes. Are you kidding me? Nope. That doesn't make any sense at all. Nope, it doesn't. Also, when I turn on the game now, uh, so the main menu is like, you know, new game, continue, Xbox Live, Marketplace, options, you know, that kind of a thing. For some reason, now the menu is sideways on the main screen. I, I have no right. idea why. It's it's farcical how stupid it is. I, I turn on the game, and it's, it's, it's literally switched 90 degrees, so it's just from the right side of the screen to the left. And you still hit up and down to move. I, I, I'm like, why? The, the writing is all, like, it's sideways. All right, listeners, so that is uh, Ninja Gaiden 3 in stores now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's you like the... can pick it up. It's like they were thinking to themselves, 
how can we make the menu screen better? Oh, how about after somebody starts a new game, we just move everything 90 degrees for no fucking reason when no other game in history has ever done that, ever. I don't, um, really, I don't really understand what that's trying to tell you. Do not buy Ninja Gaiden 3. Do not rent it. Do not borrow it. Do not watch someone play it. I will probably trade in this game for... I don't even care at this point. Anything. I have a recommendation for you. When you Tell do me. go trade in this game, and if you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for a good third-person action uh, brawler game, yeah, uh, look up the game Bayonetta. Oh yeah, the Sega game. I, yes. I have thought about that. Is it pretty good? It's it's great, and I mean we haven't talked about it on this show, so you could pick that up, and there's plenty to talk about about that game. So. And it sounds like Ninja Gaiden 3 is truly bad enough that you're going to actually want to get rid of it. I actually, like, just because of how much I've played this game, I, I've, and I've, I've not spent a ton of time with it. I, In full disclosure, I've not spent a ton of time with it. I'm not that far in it. Oh, I forgot one more thing that I have to say. There is a main villain. You duel him in the first level, you duel him again in the second level, and he sends a monster against you in the third level. He is a tall... Very proper British guy wearing a mask from V for Vendetta. <laughs> I wish I were kidding. He is the Again, least, this sounds like a practical joke. He is the least menacing villain I have ever seen in my life, and for that to be in a Ninja Gaiden game is offensive. Hmm. He, he speaks very high British, wears a mask, and taunts you, and you... Resp- it's... I want I want to die right now. This is a fantastic segue to my game. Please. Uh, speaking of British, please uh, make me stop thinking about this terrible game. Sure. So, uh, and I can I can help you with that. So, <laughs> I I played uh, again Warhammer 40k Space Marine. And speaking of British accents, the game was localized in England. So, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the game, and then I'll tell you why the accents are actually important. Oh. Um, the game is it's a third person shooter mm-hmm. uh set in the Warhammer 40k universe very you can tell it's very gears of war inspired um even from the bland brown environments where everything is very brown and all you can see is brown and people are wearing brown basically i'm trying to say it's a very bland looking game is no is there a lot of brown in the game uh, there's a little bit okay. uh, in various various parts of the game, but it's okay. it's basically like somebody took a you know a palette of brown colors and just painted all over the entire game with them. Point is, is the game doesn't look all that great. Um, the graphics are good, but the game just doesn't visually appeal to me. Poor kinda, art direction, kind of at all. Well, the the character design later is pretty neat, and I, I guess I'll talk about that in a bit. But the just in general, like the the environment is not that inspired at all. Um, the things that kind of set this game apart from a normal third-person shooter, um, like a Gears, um, is there's a there's a strong emphasis on melee in this game, um, as well as the the enemies. There, like in in Gears, a single enemy can pose a threat. Yeah. Um, even just one lone grunt style enemy. Uh, can pose a threat if he catches you unawares or he flanks you, something like that. <laughs> Did you just say catches you unawares? I believe I believe that is proper 
grammar. Maybe it's no, not. It doesn't. No, matter. it is. But you've clearly been reading a lot of uh, Song of Ice and Fire. On the morrow. <laughs> yes. Uh, Do you catch him unawares or near as much as makes no matter? I think. Okay. I think okay. I do. Uh, okay. But, but anyway, so, you know, if, they fl- if, if somebody flanks you in Gears, it can be a threat. In, in this game, you know, they'll send a group of 40 space orcs at you. And yes, the enemy in Warhammer 40k, are, they're space orcs. Um, it, it is, for fans of Warhammer, it is a very well-accepted, well-accepted enemy. I find it kind of cheesy, but it is what it is. Wait, why? Because um, they're space orcs? Because it's taking orcs and calling them space orcs? I they don't actually know. call them space orcs. They're, yeah, they're space orcs. Okay, that is pretty awful. Uh, but it's orcs, with a, it's orcs with a K, so that's something. <laughs> that um, makes it worse. So, but, but anyway, they'll send, like, a group of 40 at you. And, in, you know, in most, in most games, it's like, holy shit, this is a lot of enemies. But in this game... Uh, because of who the Space Marines are, and because of this emphasis on melee, you're just slaughtering enemies left and right. There's this execute, uh, there's this execute mechanic to the game where once you stagger some of the stronger enemies, you can then hit the circle button uh, or the B button on the Xbox controller to execute them. And that's the only way to get health back. There's a shield, and then there's health. And it's a, kind of an interesting component because it forces you to melee eventually. Um, your shield will regenerate when you're out of combat for a few seconds. Your health will not regenerate. You have to execute enemies to regenerate it. Mm. So um, there's a few different melee weapons. They all feel awesome. Like when you're you're swinging around a chain sword that um, is a very light, uh, like a very light weapon that can kind of grind through smaller enemies very quickly. There's an axe that's slightly more powerful, and then there's a, a two-handed warhammer that has its own power source that basically fires electricity every time you swing it. Um, and you can't use any other weapons when you have it. It, it. Well, you can use a very limited number of weapons when you have it, so it's basically the main weapon you're supposed to be using. And they all feel great. Great. The melee weapons feel great. Um, the guns feel really good. Uh, they fire exploding bullets because, you know, you're 40,000 years in the future, so they got to have something, something good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the guns fire exploding bullets, and and all the guns are very different. They feel very good. So the actual uh, like combat is great. I mean, all of that stuff is really good. Uh, there's some really hard parts to the game um, where they'll send a variety of enemies at you. They'll have some firing at you from a distance, and you really have to be out of combat for quite a few seconds without taking any damage before your your shields will go will regenerate again, and it. It makes it really difficult uh, in some parts. And then one of my complaints about it is that in some parts, it actually feels very cheap in terms of how they do it and in terms of of, um, of like the, just the difficulty of the areas. Like it's not, it's not like you feel you can execute it any better. It's just like I have to find a way to get to the other side of this map without dying, mm. basically. So I can take out this one enemy that keeps killing me because there's one sharpshooter at the other side of the map that's doing all of giving you all this trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. The other weird part, I find it weird, is that the game does not have a cover mechanic. Um, so it's a third-person action game without a cover mechanic. And again, I find that weird uh, because it, that, I think, is what makes it so easy to die. There is 
stuff in the environment for you to hide behind, but it's not a snap-to cover like you would find in a Gears. So there are some times where you're running away and trying to get behind some sort of cover to regenerate your shields, and in Gears, you can then take cover mm-hmm. to regenerate your health. And you know that when you're in cover, unless an enemy is highly elevated above you, you're not going to be able to get shot. But in this game, you you never really know when you're quite out of cover enough or quite in cover enough. So you can't guarantee you're not going to get shot at again to delay your shield regenerating. Yeah, that's tricky. Right. And so some of those times there would be times where I would I would be like, oh shit, I just need to back up and, and get behind this box so I can I can get my shields. Nope, my elbow was poking out and they shot my elbow and now my shields won't recover. So Ugh. and then and then I would die. Um so those those kind of choices in the game i'm i'm sure that cover is a huge undertaking to put into your game so i can see why why they wouldn't necessarily want to do that um but it was it was kind of a weird choice to make um the reason why i talked about the english accents is because all right let's let, let's set the scene a little bit so in this world uh there are humans and there are space orcs the humans have a super soldier uh, genetic breeding program. Uh, and, and that breeding program generates space marines. Space marines are like seven feet tall. They're huge. They're these uh, very intimidating men. And they all speak in these very proper English accents. Okay. So, and and this, is just, this is just my, um, you know... A, American lens that I'm looking at this through and my years of dude bro gears of war gaming where Marcus is is throwing F-bombs at everybody on the field and screaming really loud and then there's there's Space Marine where there's no screaming there's there's no shouting it's proper English accents you know telling people to uh, tactically like change areas on the map and, and that kind of stuff. So it's very off-putting. It's weird. It just, it sounds really weird in your <laughs> ear when you're hearing commands given to you from like, the, you know, the commander or whatever. And then the space orcs speak with this horrible Cockney accent. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible in the sense that you can tell it's like the dirty England versus the proper England. <laughs> so, so, and every single time the orcs charge you as a group it's oh space marines every single time so it's just it it got to the point where it was it was it was actually comical like i would laugh i would actively laugh when i was being charged by orcs because oh space marines space marines and they all had these they all they all have different ways of saying space marines and sounding very shocked and excited about it so um the accents really did sound that make the they, they made the game probably a little less serious than I think it was supposed to be. <laughs> it probably did also help me enjoy the game a little better because I think as a very serious story-driven game, it has no good story of which to speak. Oh. Um, but one of the things that it does do is it... I think, I think for anybody that's interested in sci-fi uh, and, and hasn't delved at all into War, the Warhammer 40k universe... I think it does a really good job of getting you interested in that universe. And here's what I mean. The actual in-game story, not all that great. There's a pretty neat twist about three-quarters of the way through, um, 
but that's it. It's just a twist, and then that's that's it. Um, but there's you can tell just when everybody's talking, all of the jargon and vocabulary of this world that they're using, you can tell there is this like rich, well thought out back history of this universe. Mm. Um, and it it really got me into like there's you know the, the the you're with this squad that goes to a titan planet you find out that titans are these giant robots you have no idea where they came from but you know that there's they came from like a certain place that i want to know where they came from um you know that the space orcs came from some place again i want to know where they came from but you can just tell there's like this rich back history of the warhammer 40k universe which i'm gonna probably start to read there's a lot of books uh Mm -hmm. in the in the kind of the warhammer 40k series um and it got me interested in reading the books so in one sense it it does a good job of that like again the space marines are this genetically bred super soldier but that's all you know about them in this game you know nothing about you don't know nothing about like where they actually come from what world they actually come from so I think that's neat. So uh, it's kind of like Deus Ex? Was that the game where you liked the world but not so much the story? Yes, but I don't like the... I mean, I don't really like the world of this game. Well, but the but the the lore behind liking, it. Liking the world of Deus Ex and liking the possibility of a backstory of Warhammer 40k I think are very different. Because even this world that you go to in the game, like the actual in-game world. It all takes place on this one world, even though this war is waging across the entirety of the universe. Yeah. The entire game takes place on this one world. And that world is brown. (laughs) And it's not interesting. Oh, no, Deus Ex was the really gold game, right? Yes, and gold is far more interesting than brown. You're totally seeing my point. Apparently, but you really liked the uh, the the idea behind the story, the kind of Blade Runner-ish idea behind that story. So you're saying you like the idea that could exist here? So the difference is that the world that's presented, the parts of this greater world that are presented are not appealing, but you could see it being better? No. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll see if I can try to explain. I'll see if I can try to explain what I'm trying to say a little better. So Deus Ex, they did a really good job of fleshing out that world, and that world exists only in that game. Mm-hmm. That world exists nowhere else, just in that game. And there are a myriad of emails you can read, a myriad of people you can talk to, to flesh out that world. Mm-hmm. Warhammer 40k exists far beyond this game well beyond this game. This game is just a minute piece of Warhammer 40k lore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it makes some allusions to some stuff that they don't have to explain in the game because there are some other references that you can go check. Okay. And and the game does a good job of making me want to go check those references. That makes sense. If that, yeah, if that makes a little better sense. Yes, absolutely. Now I understand what you're talking about. Overall, like the the action is good enough to actually kind of pull you through the game, and the game's not long; it's like six hours. Oh, and one other thing I need to mention there, and it's a it's an important part is there is a jump pack in the game, and it's basically a jet pack is what it is, but it's a jet pack with a limited hover, so it throws you up in the air, um, and with when you have the hammer equipped, it allows you to slam the ground, and everything around you just explodes. Um, you get it in a few different parts in the game. And they give it to you for a good good length of time when you get it. 
um, it it lends this sense of verticality to the game, mm-hmm. uh, which most of the time third person games have none. Um, you're just basically on one plane of existence for the most part with third person shooters. This allows you to go very high up and very low um, when you have this jetpack. The other thing is, it feels amazing. Like, the parts in the game, when you have the jetpack, you feel fucking invincible. Oh, really? And it is, it is awesome. The game is worth playing just for the moments that you have the jetpack. I honestly believe that. Um, and the game does a really smart thing where at the very end of the game, the very last thing you do before you fight the boss is this really long jetpack sequence. Oh, yeah. That's the way so to they, get it done. They knew. They knew that the jetpack was, was like, the best part about the game. So, um... Anytime you get the jetpack in the game, it just it lends itself to this great sense of excitement, uh, I thought, anyway. Yeah, apparently. Now, yeah. I, I know that in some other games, once you introduce that third dimension in terms of opponents and things like that, like if you're playing Halo uh, Reach and somebody's flying around in a jetpack, it can be really frustrating because you can't aim up or down as easily, and it's really hard. It can be game-breaking if not done correctly. Yeah. You know, but there's no... The thing, the thing is, the thing that's great about this jetpack, there are no enemies that fly in this game. It is just you. There we go. Okay. So you feel overpowered, and okay. I think that that's why it feels so good. And they never have you do anything of true consequence with the jetpack on. It's just you flying around and destroying large groups of enemies, but you never have to like fight a boss. You never get to fight a boss with the jetpack on, because it, be, it would be overpowered in the, in the universe of the game. Mm-hmm. That's fair. The other thing I'll talk about just briefly is the multiplayer, which I did dabble around a little bit with. Um, just like Gears, the the major like the the medius piece of the multiplayer is just a wave based horde mode. Now the game lends itself well to wave based horde modes because it's all about this large group of orcs coming to fight you, and and again the melee is really important. Um, so whereas you know in Gears there's like a, a wave will have like twenty enemies in it. In, oh, in a wave of a Warhammer 40k multiplayer uh, horde mode, there'll be like 120 enemies in it that you have to end up killing. Wow! So it's it's okay. Um, it's not it's not great by any means. It does not out gears gears. <laughs> um, it just draws a lot of ideas from it. The fact that there's the fact that there's no cover kind of kind of makes it a little frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have this gear. I think so. So here, I'll talk about gears for just a brief second. Sure. We will talk about gears later. Mm-hmm. I will say to to the listener, but I'm just going to talk about it briefly for a second. Gears does a really smart thing in the multiplayer where you're leveling up and unlocking cosmetic stuff. You unlock uh, different characters to play as. You unlock different skins for your weapons, but you never unlock anything that makes you more powerful. Yeah. I think that's a very smart way to do multiplayer because it it stops the time commitment aspect from being an advantage in the multiplayer space. Okay. This game doesn't do that. This game has weapons and uh modifications to your to your weapons, perks that are locked behind levels. Yeah. And I don't want to sit there and play 20 hours of the Warhammer 40k Space Marine multiplayer to get to the point where I can fight with all the weapons in the multiplayer. Because it's not that good. <laughs> I would like to just 
get to play with all the weapons from the get-go. Interesting, because I because that's the way the modern warfare goes. You have to unlock weapons. You know, the the higher level you get, more weapons and perks and items become available to you. I strongly prefer that method. But the thing is, in modern warfare, you're playing against other people. In this game, you're playing against the computer. There's oh. no, there's no competitive aspect with other people. Oh, that's true. That's stupid. Yeah. So I mean that that is getting locked behind this leveling system, which is dumb. I mean, I don't know. To a degree, you have to. I mean, you have to learn Thundara before you learn Thundaga in a Final Fantasy game. I guess, but now you're equating role-playing games to third-person shooters. They're essentially the exact same thing, let's face it. And that probably shows you that the podcast has truly become derailed. Yeah, no, I'm really unqualified, obviously. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, I I guess overall I'd say, you know, you can pick this game up for a song now. Like, I think I saw it on sale for 12 bucks. It's worth 12 bucks, for sure. Um, It is not worth 60. It is not worth 40. Can can you pick it up for a song if that song is The Reigns of Castamir? If the song is $12, which is not actually a song at all, I would say it is worth playing. You know, it's worth 20 bucks. That's what I'd say. I'd say if you can pick the game up for 20 bucks and get it new so you can just dabble in the multiplayer if you want, um... It's it's worth it, and that's kind of all I have to say about that. Well, that's all I have to listen to about that, so there. And on that note, we come to a conclusion of this week's episode of Unqualified Video Game Podcast. Comment on our iTunes feed and then tweet John at Eat Play Game and me at Eat, 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 at <laughs> and eat Producer Cody. Okay, so we'll say that again <laughs> a little bit slower. You can tweet me. My Twitter handle is at Eat Play Game, all one word. And mine is at Producer Cody, all one word. You can also comment on our iTunes feed uh, through iTunes, and you can find us at unqualified.podbean.com. Go ahead and comment on that as well. And you can follow me on Pinterest. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) 